Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken M. Joining me in studio, it's the one and only Padawan J. Hello there. And joining us as well, it's your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. That's it. I quit. Ah. Already? Daniel Jones. I'm out. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of sports, so let's waste no more time, shall we? Hit us up on our social media accounts. You can find them at OchoDuroParleyHour.com and always use the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. We have a lot to discuss, but the biggest sports story going on right now is the NFL preseason, mm-hmm. primarily what happened with Colts quarterback Andrew Luck. Well, I guess we should say former Colts quarterback. Right. Now. Break it down for us, Pat. So as everyone knows, or for most of you that know, uh, the NFL is kind of in its preseason right now, and we just finished up the third week of preseason. We have one more week to go, we, uh, weekend to go, and then we finally hit the uh, fourth week or whatever it is, and then we finally get into the regular season. The real preseason. The real preseason. You know, the real preseason. We finally get into the regular season. Uh, you know, so it's definitely something to look forward to. But, you know, it's kind of been overshadowed a little bit outside of, you know, the hard knocks stuff and all that, which you'd think would be the, the normal big story. But, no, the the sports world got stopped. And it was one of those moments on Twitter uh, where if you follow enough sports people, like everyone was talking about the same thing and, and everyone just kind of collectively lost their mind at the same time. Uh, Adam Schefter broke it late on Saturday evening that Colts quarterback Andrew Luck had decided to step away from football and retire. Mid-game. 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 So apparently Luck had planned on telling his teammates about this on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, and then making a formal announcement, but... Schefter beat him to it. And and the wildest thing about all this was that the Colts were on the field playing a game while this was all going on. So and of course everyone in the stands who's got a cell phone was finding out about this and you know even the broadcast it was one of those instances the broadcasters couldn't ignore it. They couldn't just not talk about it. So that was kind of the weird thing is oh my god, he's stepping away. He's only 29 years old. Like what's going on? And oh my god, wait, he's on the field talking to his other court like he wasn't on the field playing he wasn't suited up he wasn't suited up he was in you know street clothes but he was talking to Jacoby Brissett and their other uh third string quarterback coach your thoughts on this well my biggest thing is I just I mean the crowd obviously was booing him as they walked off but Mm -hmm. a lot of people have gone back and forth you know as their thoughts and feelings but what if both parties are right meaning what if the fans have a right to be upset but then Andrew Luck has a right to retire. I mean, I think in the in the instance without because at the point they were booing, we didn't know his thought process. We didn't know why he was making this decision. Excuse me, decision to retire from the NFL at the age of twenty nine and leave like fifty something million dollars on the table. Right. So to them, it's just oh, he's quitting on the team and he's walking away. But then we come to find out that he said after the game, "quote I've been stuck in this process." I haven't been able to live the life I want to live. It's taken joy joy out of this game. The only way forward for me is to remove myself from football. This is not an easy decision. It's the hardest decision of my life, but it is the right decision for me, close quote. I mean, the thing he said in the post-game interview, if you haven't seen it, is that it's just the, the nagging injuries. I mean, I think there was one he mentioned. I forget which injury it was, but he said it was an injury. I think he said he got like four years ago or something like that that is still bothering him. And he's just always in this constant cycle of pain that no matter what he does, he's never able to get rid of it. Well, I'm, well, let me just say, so with that, though, my biggest problem and no, the thing that nobody's talking about, sure, 
Who released it to Schefter? Yeah. Because that's the person I have a problem with. Yeah. Because nobody's talking about that. Everybody's, oh, the fans aren't right for booing him. And Andrew Luck, you know, he retired. Like, he did this in the middle of a game. Right. So who was the person who leaked it to Schefter? Yeah, it, it had to be somebody in the Colts organization or even. Absolutely. Or even someone in, in Luck's inner circle. I mean, I would think that was probably. And, I mean, let's face it, Jim Ursay as an owner has. Right. I mean, there are right. speculations on the kind of person right. and ownership that he has and probably the circle around him. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was somebody on that runs with him. Yeah. But that's all speculative. But at the same time, it's like, my God, who, like, why would you do that in the middle of a game? And, and, and even to the point where you're like, you know what? I've made my decision. I'm going to announce it to the team on Sunday. Right. Why not just go through the preseason game and then go Sunday morning and say, yeah, I've made my decision. Sure. Cause I mean, now face it now here they are. And I guess the Colts are satisfied with Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. But what if he had decided this sooner, you know, in the off season or before the draft, or, you know, I mean, right. a bunch of what-ifs to the point where the Colts maybe could have addressed this and draft a quarterback in, in the in the draft. I mean, they had a top-ten pick. They could have gone and gotten you know, Daniel Jones, for example. Or, you know, they could have gotten Haskins, you know? Yeah. So they could have addressed this, and now they're looking at the, you know, going with Percet, who played well in spot duty, but like we said last show, you know, in our AFC preview... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does Jacoby Percet win the AFC South for them? No. No. So now, you know, if I'm sitting here and I'm the Colts organization, I'm dialing up the Giants. Yeah. And I'm saying, what can I do? Because if the Giants are enamored with Daniel Jones as much as they reported that they are with what came out, and I know this is off subject, but um, with what, Pat, what Schumer said last week about, you know, the rumors of him wanting to start Jones early, if they love him that much, why not ship Eli out get some draft picks in, and now you can start Daniel Jones right away? It's a good question to ask, and I think I've looked at this a couple different ways. One, I think Andrew Luck obviously has earned the right to retire when he wants to retire. And, and everybody does. And everybody does. And he gave everything he had on the field to the Colts. The way he did it. Yeah. No, but the way he does the, have a right. The, yeah, the way it came across, I can understand some – puzzlement by it i and i i stress this when he felt that he could no longer compete and he was in street clothes for this um well let's face it he wasn't going to play preseason games anyway right and we even and we even said it on the preview show last week that there were there were reports now he hadn't been ruled out for week one but it said it was the report we had read and even set read on the show was that it was looking increasingly more and likely that he would not play at least week uh, week one right so at this stage if he's coming out and he's telling his team, albeit though, mid game during a preseason game is looking is a bad look, but we don't know exactly when he told them. Right. We're just right. off what we're what we're seeing. So if he felt at that time and he was maybe trying to come back and he just knew he couldn't. He sure. Told, he probably told them, and I'm I'm guessing this is the case. He told them as soon as he felt he could not play anymore or this it wasn't there. Right. He came right on and told it. And, and, and I could definitely get the feeling bringing up something you brought up. Why didn't he tell him sooner? Why didn't he make this decision sooner? I think he would have if he would have come to the, where he is in his thought process now back then that perhaps in this again, this is all speculative until he does a tell all interview with somebody we don't know. You know, I can imagine that. You know, he was holding out on a on a hope or a whim of some sort of procedure working or getting done or, or having a good shot at working, and then he might have had some tests come back and go, "Listen, it's going to help, but it's really not in the long run." Well, but my problem to that is though is that this is a business, 
And, you know, at the end of the day, while, you know, the NFL will cut players and, oh, it's cutthroat and everything, you know, on the flip side of that, you know, that they would cut him at, on the drop of a hat. At the same time, though, don't you owe it to the franchise to be upfront and honest with them? I mean, let's face it now, because you sit here and you say, okay, you know, I'm going to try and make a comeback. And again, like I said, you know, they could have addressed this in the draft. They could have addressed it in free agency. But by you holding back, it makes me think back to 88 or, uh, excuse me, 92 when Bill Palachuk didn't retire from the Giants yeah. until two, three weeks, you know, up until OTA started, you know, in like, um, what would that put us, like August? And then, like he all, and then he ups and retires, but in the meantime, Bill Belichick had went to Cleveland. Yeah, Bill Belichick would have obviously been the next candidate to be the head coach of the Giants right. had Parcells retired after winning the Super Bowl in, you know, February, if he would have retired when, you know, traditionally people would leave. So Bill Belichick could have been the Giants coach, and who knows where history would have been now. Not saying that, you know, they would have won 10 Super Bowls, but I'm just saying, right, like, right. They, the you franchise was set back in yeah. the early 90s by Reeves coming in and then, you know, Fossil era and everything. So it's just not, on the flip side of it, it's just not fair to the franchise and organization that you played for that you're withholding this information from them and not being upfront by saying, hey, you know, I'm going to be... This is not looking promising. Right, but at the same token, you see this in no matter what sport it is where, it, you know, it, Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, like, you know, pick a sport, pick a major athlete, LeBron James, you know, uh, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, you know, Mark, uh, 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 Lundquist in, in NHL. You've got these major big star athletes that, like, if they get hurt, the team is going to sit there and go, listen, just take as much time as you need. Sure. We got no rush. It is what it is. Well, he's also been banged up over the past yeah, few years. right. So uh, my guess is, and the way I'm, I'm interpreting this, and this is how my take is on this, I think that he had all intentions of coming back. And right. when he felt he couldn't, uh, he told him immediately right away. Now, you can question the timing during the middle of the game, and that's when he's telling everybody. And I think that the, once that got leaked out, obviously people are finding out, and just when he's saying his goodbyes. It's just one of those situations that I think he was telling them, hey, I just can't come back. This is I'm telling you right now, this is what's going on. And we have to adapt from here. But on the flip side of things, you look at Gronk as a Patriot fan. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. It's a different case. Yeah, yeah. But he was, t I mean, he, another guy, similar injuries, 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 you and, know, and never healthy, never truly healthy. And my God, the interview he did the other day with, with finally detailing what really happened during that Super Bowl. Holy sugar cookies. But when did he retire? Uh, after the Super Bowl, after the Super Bowl, and was upfront about it. But it, and if memory serves, it wasn't until after the parade, a couple, sure. a couple of weeks. But no, but right. there was speculation right. and talk of it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so, like, you talk about that now. Now the Patriots can go out and address the issues. Yeah. So it's right. like I just, I, and I understand, and I can empathize with the fact that this man got his brain kicked in for years when the Colts were bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, because let's, let's be honest, he never had an offensive line worth a darn. Right. Well, they got Quentin Nelson, and that changed things just a little bit. Okay, let's be easy on that. I mean, he's a one-man guard over there. But no, but seriously, I mean, no, you're right, though. They had a terrible offensive line for the first, like, four years of his career. I mean, he was getting hit like David Carr when he got yeah. drafted by the Texans. Just a yeah. sitting duck. And But at the flip side of this, though, you know, the organization, they invest in you. Oh, it's it's a valid point. Yeah, no, yeah. You're, you're right in it. They do invest. And I think, though, like I said, he had all intentions of coming back and playing. But I think once he knew his body wasn't there and his, obviously he was mentally not 
wanting to come back, he told them right away. Like well, well, all, according to according to what Locke Tolbert, the reporters on Saturday night, he first started thinking about it two weeks ago, and then he told General Manager Chris Ballard and and they and the other folks in the front office st- started discussing a potential decision early last week. Yeah, that's just that's so late in the process, though. It's I late mean, in the process, but I think though it was just a culmination of what was going on. Right. And I, well, no, sure. Because would I would I rather have him do this now during the preseason than? You, during the middle of a game, oh, during the preseason is a little like it's not a pretty look like by any stretch of the imagination. Like it, it's a messy situation. It's a far better look than if it happened in the regular season. But yeah. now you go from an AFC South favorite to maybe a wild card. Maybe, maybe right. There's going to be a lot of question marks that Indy's going to have to answer moving forward. Unless they call the Giants. Unless they yeah. do make a move for a quarterback. Hey, maybe. listen. Like I said, if they love Daniel Jones as much as they do, and you know the Colts are, and if I'm the Colts and I'm sitting here thinking that we can at least make a run, you know, I, they're definitely not a Super Bowl contender. But no. Could they make a dent in the AFC? Sure, why not? Especially no. with the right quarterback there, the offensive line, the wide receivers that they have, a decent run game, very good defense. Yeah. As we saw last year, so yeah. why not give a call? I mean, I'm sure they probably. A third and a fifth round conditional pick would probably get you Eli. If they don't go that route, though, there is one person in the Colts organization and specifically on the field who's going to make out like a bandit in this, and that's Jacoby Brissett. Because as it's been reported, he currently has no uh, agent to represent him, so he is like the hottest commodity in the NFL and the agency world, in the agent world. Plus... He's on a contract here. This is he's on the last year of his current contract. Well, if he balls out, yeah, yeah, he'll get paid. But you have to produce even, before you get any kind of contract. Even obviously. if he balls out, though, I don't even. I highly, highly doubt that they bring him back next year. Never say never. I mean, I mean sure, I know, but I, I mean, I just assume that if he, unless he, I'm talking like balls out of his mind to the point where they're sure. the AFC Championship game type of ball out. Even if they make a divisional round. I still think that they go out and get. Well, they'll probably draft another draft. quarterback. Yeah. They'll, I'm guessing they'll go for a quarterback in this year's upcoming draft. Right, but that's why I'm saying, like, it, depending on where they finish, even if they finish in the divisional round, one of the three guys that we talked about in the preview show last week is going to be there, probably late first rounder. Oh yeah, right. absolutely. So you could definitely, and even if you don't, there's still guys that are going to be second and third round guys. Uh, you know, the kid from Missouri and the kid from Cal that are going to be available in those later picks that even those are comparable quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an interesting process to see, and Percet plays out of his mind. Like I said, he's going to get a contract from somebody, whether it's the Colts, right. well, which yeah. you would think if he is showing that he can lead that team to a playoff run. Not deep run, but let's say he can show them they can lead. They'll probably throw him a not a max contract. Well, not means. to mention, I mean, Derek, and, uh, uh, Derek Carr. Well, I said Derek Carr earlier. I meant to say David Carr when he was with the Texans. Derek Carr will probably be available too. Yeah, right. That could be. So there, there's going to be options out there for the Colts moving forward from the business aspect, but from you know the heart and soul of your team leaving. Like I say, luck how he did it might not be perceived as the best case, but I look at it like this: at least he was honest enough front and saying, "Okay, when I know I'm I, I'm mentally not ready to do this, and I'm going to tell you upfront in advance, I'd rather him do it now, right? Than like I said, mid season. Could you just imagine him just hypothetically oh, sure. saying going yeah. through the motions and then I just. just I, I just I don't like the people that are killing the fans for booing them because they have they paid you know this this is the thing that makes me so mad they pay to be there so they have a right to boo or cheer and at the time given the circumstances the fact that you're mid game finding out this information on Twitter and he had sa- and he hadn't said anything and yet. yeah there hadn't been anything said you got to think from those people and they're probably a little bit boozed up probably a little sauced. The well, passion came out and they boo 
showed him. Well, so what? I mean, I felt bad for the guy that was shown on the bro- the broadcast there who it appeared he had literally just bought an Andrew Luck jersey when <laughs> he went to that game. Like, there's video of the guy taking the jersey off, and you can still see the tag. I felt bad for that guy. Well, yeah. it's one of those case scenarios that everybody, when you're a fan and something happens to your team, like a, a, an abrupt retirement and you don't have the facts, it's like your knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. Which... which you, I would say people just really need to go before they uh, react like that, kind of dig into the facts. But you can't control how people oh, react. I mean, what, there was no facts to dig right, into. Right, no, no, no. <laughs> right, no, it's just one of those situations that it was a knee-jerk reaction. Not the best look, but I understand what happened. But in that case scenario, it's like if he's abruptly retiring, there's got to be something going on. You have to think. Right, and I mean, I bet you in hindsight now being 2020, I'm sure a lot of those fans that did do the booing, are probably wishing they could get that back. Oh, absolutely. But oh, just, yeah. yeah. Just the fact that, though, that, you know, all these, like, oh, you should be applauding this man. Like, they have a right to boo. You can't, and, yeah, you can't control people. And if for people to be upset and say that they want to sell their season tickets back, they have that right, too, because yeah. they're spending their money to watch and, and think that Andrew Luck is going to be in the lineup, being a fact that they could be a perennial playoff team, to now Jacoby Brissett and possibly a wild card, maybe a lucky run at the AFC South, I mean, it's but a, lucky at best. Yeah, no, I mean, they definitely deserve their money back if, if you're a season ticket holder expecting to see something on the field and you don't get it. It's almost akin to a couple of years ago when I think LeBron was still in Miami and they were supposed to play the San Antonio Spurs in like a regular season game and Pop decided to like sit his entire starting five and just play the backups. And people got real pissy over that. Yeah, I mean, imagine if this was Tom Brady in New England. Yeah. People would be losing their minds right now. Yes, they would be, you know, thank you so much for what you've done for the organization, but they would be losing it. Yeah. Well, the initial reaction, like I say, it's the shock value that hits you. because yeah. oh, right. Because abruptly you have a player that's still in his prime just walks away. Right. And, and, he, and like we said, the last we'd heard was that, you know, they weren't sure, but at least for week one, he wasn't going to play. So that, as a fan, you're sitting there, all right, not going to be there week one. Brissett's a, a suitable backup. He's a good, you know, stopgap to get us to when Andrew Luck comes back. Right. So it's one of those case scenarios that at the time, it's a knee jerk reaction, not the best look. But you have to look back at what he did for the team when yeah. he was there. Yeah. And he definitely played hard for the fans. And to get the reaction, I understand, like I say, it's a knee-jerk reaction. It's not pretty, but it's, it's knee-jerk. It's not, yeah, but it's the one in the heat of the moment. It's yeah. the one that a lot of them wish they had back. Absolutely. It's just one of those case scenarios that when you hear something like that and you're very passionate about your fandom, you're going to have a reaction like that. It's not a justification. It's just a simple fact. How they deal with it, though, moving forward, the fans and the team is going to be something interesting to watch. For the team... You now have to move on from your franchise guy and basically hit the reset button. Mm-hmm. And there is going to be some adequate quarterbacks coming out in this NFL draft that you can build off your franchise. Or if you want to try taking a stab at free agency. Or if Brissett plays out of his mind. Yeah. And if you're the fans, you have to realize that this stuff does happen. You don't have to like it. Yeah. But when players are not ready to play and they want out and they have their reasons for doing it, you can't be mad about that. But you just have to go, okay, how is this team going to rally? I mean, and let's let's not forget, the Colts have been very lucky when it comes to starting quarterbacks over the last, you know, two decades or so. They had Peyton Manning there for a lot of years, and, and then they had Andrew Luck. Sure, there was like, what, a year or two where it was kind of that in-between of, of Peyton, and then they got to Andrew Luck. But outside of that, you've had two franchise quarterbacks 
essentially back to back. And I'll just say, if you were to go back in time and tell me in like 2013, 2014, that RG3 and some of those other guys would last longer in this league than Andrew Luck, I'd have said you're out of your mind. Yeah, it's a really interesting fact to bring up about that. And also only win one Super Bowl in that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that too. I mean, that's also a thing. Yep. It's, it's a crazy thing to look back on, but you have to look back at Andrew Luck's career and just, you know, it was what it was. And if you're a Colts fan, you have to thank him for what he did for your organization while I'm, he was there. I mean, as a Notre Dame fan, I saw him at Stanford and then I saw him come to the Colts and he was always a competitor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't discredit that. It's just, it's unfortunate given the circumstances and timing and, and all those things that, you know, it it added up and like we've said before though i mean he has every right to feel this way and step away and quality of life is a thing that these guys got to think about too yeah, absolutely and, i mean it's it's a very real uh upfront thing for a lot of these guys as they continue to age and and continue to get banged up that you know you look at some of these older players that are now you know with concussion syndromes yeah. and all those things that the nasty stories yeah the ne- yeah the terrible stories and the fact that you know they they didn't know any better back then what we know now mm-hmm. and you know you can call them yeah. a millennial and you can call them all these names and snowflake and all that garbage that you want but at the end of the day you know the guy's wanting to be able to play with his kids right and, and i mean have a life right and i mean you brought up the gronk thing i mean i know he came out uh yesterday as we record and and answered some questions you know i i definitely questioned why he retired after the super bowl this past year i'm not gonna lie about it and i was like oh that sucks but i, I kind of wondered we got some answers because as, as he said he had a he got a, a normal you know average hit on his quad that injured his quad in the first quarter of the first half of the, of the super bowl this past february and then uh after he slept for like what well, i think he said it was like four minutes that night after the Super Bowl, and not because he was elated or happy, he was in so much pain. And then he said he had to have a liter of blood drained from his quad after the Super Bowl. Like, I'm sitting there going, all right, I get why you retired. Like, yeah. I don't fault you for that at all. No, once you get the facts, then the story becomes very clear. And for luck, the situation is the same. Once everybody found out you know, that he wanted to value the quality of life ahead of the game, you can't fault him on that. No, yeah, it's, no. Not, it's not the 1930s or 40s anymore. Like These guys are full-time trained athletes that the sport has only gotten exponentially more violent. Yeah. yeah. And that's why they try to create these rules. And I know you know, people, the crowning rule and targeting and all those things are, are controversial, but you know, it, it is at the end of the day, they, they are trying to make the game safer because they have to. Because right. they have to keep the players from themselves. Yeah. Right. They, they don't want any more, any more stories like we've heard of, of the former players who are in various living conditions and, and how, just how bad it is. Right. Like, it, it's not a good look for them. It's not a good look for, for human beings in general. Right. Exactly. I mean, you talk about just MMA, you know, being dangerous, but... You know the yeah. While it is, it they're not going full speed contact like these guys are. That's why the kickoff yeah. rule has changed because that the violence of running full speed at somebody who's standing still. Mm-hmm. You know that it's equivalent of a car crash. Yeah, and that's one thing that the game they're trying to make safer if possible. But football is always going to be a violent game. I mean, it's, it yeah, is. There's what it no. Is. There is not. Yeah, there is nothing they can do because as people continue to evolve in, in sports and physical science you know, gets more and more, you know, advanced, these guys are only going to get bigger and stronger. I mean, yeah. Donald in Los Angeles is a perfect example of just human evolution at its, yeah. Fu- yeah. At its finest because he's a 300-pounder, but he moves like 200 pounds. It's very scary to see just how the game is evolving and so are the players. And if, like I said, with luck, you can't fault him for leaving it on his own terms. He wants to do that. No. You have to right. say 
that's perfectly fine. You can't be sitting there taking shots at him for leaving if he's if his head and his heart is not in the game. Now, what do you give to the credence in the rumor went around about the XFL? Not no. nothing. <laughs> no, absolutely. I thought not. to say that. I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. I, I thought it was somebody just going for clickbait. To be honest, yeah. or, or to just be funny. Yeah, yeah. it's complete conspiracy theory, clickbait stuff. Yeah. yeah, which that's why we're not even going to address it. If you want to find out about it, you can search on your own time. But it's worth a laugh. It's worth a laugh because that's what I took it as, and I went, "Oh yeah, really?" <laughs> I looked at it like, "Oh, well, can he?" I mean, the Colts technically can hold his rights. It's like, listen, guy. Yeah, I don't care who, even if his you know wife was running the XFL, he ain't leaving to go no, play there. No, no. he was going to stay anywhere and play football. He'd play in the NFL. Yeah, but Luck is going to enjoy his retirement and move forward with his life, and that's values over the game tremendously. He's got an engineering degree from Stanford. It's not like he's going to be hurting for work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, if he wants to go back yeah. and do that, he'll be perfectly fine, and the Colts will move on, and so will the fan base. And you just have to applaud him for the legacy he's left. And just however you want to feel about the situation, you can't take away from his own opinion about it. He wants to value his time and his future moving forward. He gave enough to the game. What else can he give more? That's the question we're going to pose. So it definitely hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH, joining the conversation on social media. What is your thoughts on Andrew Luck's abrupt retirement? We definitely want to talk about that. So hit us up. Let us know. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH, and we are talking football, but it's college football we're going to steer the conversation to. Uh-huh. The season has just kicked off. Yep. My beloved Florida Gators defeated Miami. Holy crap. All is well in the world for me. That game was insane. But ta- but taking a look at it, the season is now just starting to kick off. Coach, your thoughts? I mean, I obviously love college football, as I am an avid and diehard Notre Dame fan, and with the Giants looking the way that they are this year, they might be my only glimmer of hope. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting season. College football is a very fun time of year. It's a different atmosphere than the actual NFL, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, no, it is. It's, I, yeah, I mean, I have came from only being able to watch the Irish to now, you know, if there's a good game, you know, whatever the ABC game is, yeah. I definitely dive into it. And, you know, my wife's an Ohio State fan, so I – try my best to muster to watch those games but it's sometimes <laughs> difficult to do yeah. um but you know i'll get through them every once in a while yeah it's always interesting now especially for me i like it that they have a playoff system yeah facts because yeah. when you go off the the voting and when it becomes a popularity contest it just really takes away from the game right and obviously the run that alabama has been on has really made it must watch tv because love them or hate them the Crimson Tide have built something down there. Roll Tide. That has not been touched, and you haven't seen in a very long time. Not, no. them, not just them, but Clemson, too. Yeah, Clemson is now catching on. It's now become a really fun time to watch college football because it's almost who gets in that tournament and what's going to happen. And that makes it must-see TV. Mm-hmm. So going with that being said, any early predictions for the season, Coach? Well, all right, I'm going to try my best to take off my partisan hat here of the Irish and give you – a clear view of college football. I mean, obviously, 
Clemson and Alabama are going to be top tier teams. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, Trevor Lawrence is just an absolute phenomenon. I mean, yeah. watching him just decimate Notre Dame in that playoff game and then go and pick Alabama apart in the championship game was just something that was shocking to say the least. Um, then Tua, you know, obviously in Alabama. And then, I'm, you know, for me, it's really just the quarterback play this year with all, you know, the transfers and, yeah. you know, especially with the chains and uh, change with the transfer portal where now these guys can, you know, be free to go and play, you know, academically within that first year of transfers. So, you know, you have a lot of guys, uh, new, fa- uh, new yeah. faces and new places. So, yeah. you know, Ohio State, obviously with Haskins now gone, that's going to be interesting to see. Urban Meyer also gone there. USC, you know, with the coaching fiasco that they had where Clinsbury was coming in to be the offensive coordinator and then leaves to take the Cardinals job. So that's going to be interesting to see how they can, you know, build on what they were able to do late in the season last year. Um, you know, and then you got teams that are, you know, hanging on there like Georgia with Jake Fromm there, uh, Oklahoma, you know, now uh, they're going to have a new quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do and bounce back. Obviously now Jalen Hurt is coming in to take over that spot at quarterback. And then, you know, obviously not going to not talk about Ian Book and the Irish because they're a team that, you know, ha- is senior laden that can, if they can go undefeated and they have an early test, you know, in the season going into Georgia to play Georgia, um, that if they can come out of that game with a W or at least, you know, keep the score close, that they also could be in the playoff contention. So, you know, it's a very interesting year for college football. I think a lot of teams have an opportunity to make the playoffs. Yeah. I just don't think a lot of teams have the opportunity to win. <laughs> no, yeah. It's definitely going to be something to see. It's going to be interesting to see if Clemson can keep their run going and really try and usurp the the almost stranglehold that Alabama's had on not just the, the Southeastern Conference, but all of college football for the last – God, it feels like 15, 20 years is what it feels like. I know it's not, but that's what it feels like. You know, it's it, that's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I'm looking at Alabama's schedule. They open again. They open up this season against Duke. Uh, oh, let me guess where it goes from there. Uh, FCS West team from NCAA football 2014. Surprisingly, no. Uh, okay. So first week they play Duke. Then they play New Mexico State. After that is the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, after that is the Southern Mississippi. Then Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Arkansas. LSU, Mississippi State, Western Carolina, and then Auburn to close out the regular season. Thoughts on that, Coach? I know you I want mean, to jump on this. I, the SEC is just not what it used to be. Where when you would play, when you had your conference games, you know every week was a test. I mean, Ole Miss is good; they're not great. Uh, I just want to just want to point out uh, they did play Ole Miss last year. They blew them out sixty-two yeah. to seven. Oh, I remember very well. Because everybody thought Ole Miss had a chance, and they had zero chance. Uh-huh. You know, it's so the the SEC really isn't anything to. Mu- it's you can't just say we play in the SEC and not have a non conference game that's right. worth a damn anymore. Right. And Duke is not it. I mean, yeah, you're playing a top five, you know, a, a power five team that's in the ACC, but they're not it. Um. So because who, who was Duke's quarterback last year? Uh that would be Daniel Jones, a one Messiah, Daniel Jones, yeah. yes, the savior. Uh, no, but seriously though, yeah. So I I don't want to hate on the uh, the Alabama schedule because it is a little bit better than years past. Yeah. But at the same time, the SEC is not what it once was. No. And it's not going to be as dominating as it was. Now, when they you know inevitably go undefeated and have to play Georgia in the SEC championship game, 
that will be a very interesting game. Right. Because now Georgia will be battle-tested and ready because they almost beat them last year, I mean, and they'll definitely be able to do it this year. I mean, I'm comparing their, their, who they played last year to what them this year, and they didn't play everybody. They didn't play Duke. They didn't play New Mexico State, South Carolina, or Southern Mississippi. We mentioned Ole Miss. Uh, last year against Texas A&M, they blew them out by 20. Tennessee, they blew them out by 30. Uh, Arkansas, I uh, looks uh, they blew them out by 30. Uh, LSU, they blew them out by 30. You know, Mississippi State, they blew out by 24. Uh, and then Western Carolina, they did not play. And then Auburn, uh, they blew them out by 30. Yeah. So they were like the, t- the major teams that they are playing again this year, this year, they all blew them out by an average of like 30. But that's again because the SEC just isn't what it once was. No. I mean, and. So and you so you can't just hang your lore on the fact that you play that. Like I, I wish that they would schedule. And I know last year they did have a nice out of conference game. You know, early in the year, and they've played Michigan before in Week Zero, and they've done the big kickoff games. I wish they would continue that pattern. Uh, I mean, Georgia, you know, has Notre Dame coming to Georgia. That's a big out-of-conference game. I know Oklahoma has, you know, some cupcakes, but they also have a big out-of-conference game too. Um, And same with Ohio State. You know, these teams are are still playing, you know, out-of-conference teams that are are worth a damn versus, you know, Duke. Right. Well, I mean, it's it's a good question about the parity of of the divisions. Right. Well, not only just the parity, but just the scheduling complex. I mean... I, I, I know that strength of schedule is it's kind of um, you know a difficult thing to rank because it's it's tough to you know you have your predictions mid year and then as the year goes on you know like Stanford was when Notre Dame played them a top ten team then after the season it was very clear that they were not you know a top ten team that they weren't even a top twenty five team you mm-hmm. know and so you you project the strength of schedule and then as the year goes on but I wish that when you know rankings came out at least towards the playoff season that they took in not necessarily strength of schedule but record of schedule so that way you could see quality wins that they had against quality opponents versus you know scheduling these games where a team might be two and eight because they're playing east carolina right i mean i definitely think that who they play should should definitely play a factor into it i mean because my one gripe yes alabama went undefeated into the college football playoff last year but but one of my gripes is i'm looking here and you know they played a game on saturday november 17th like the middle or latter third of the college football season uh they played the citadel yeah and blew them out by 40 something like okay that should definitely like i feel like who you play and where they are and what the record is and all that that you just mentioned should definitely play a factor because in all honesty if you're scheduling a game against the citadel and whatever division they're in because honestly i hadn't heard of them until then you know that should definitely play a factor and you should definitely take a hit for that that you're scheduling cupcakes in november i mean the citadel was up 14 to 3 though yeah. Going into the second quarter. <laughs> right, but, but if you're talking Alabama, it, it becomes the, the benchmark right now. Well, and, this, and, this, and, and they've earned it. I mean, you can't take anything away from that. But the scheduling, though, I do see as an issue because, yeah, you do have teams that shouldn't be competing with them. No. To, to me, they're not the benchmark anymore, though. Clemson is. Well, yeah, well, Lawrence, yeah. I mean, well, not even. I mean, what Dabo Sweeney's doing there as far as recruiting this talent, he had two players on the defensive line, defensive line drafted in the first round when is the last time you can say that they've had two players on the d line drafted in the first round that's true i mean i, I do that's gotta, insane it's been I, a while i, I do got to give alabama a little bit of credit though they've given the patriots some real good defensive players over hey, the years uh, shout listen, out dante hightower absolutely i mean alabama still can recruit but 
Dabo Sweeney right now, what what he's doing with this team is un like it's unheard of. Yeah, he's literally recruiting top ten talent. Period. Not even competing to recruit these kids. He's literally getting them at like and and saying, "What are you ranked eleventh in the nation?" Uh, sorry, we don't need you. We just got number nine and ten. I mean, if you want to make a comparison, Alabama for a lot of years has kind of been the Kentucky of college football. Where sure, where University of Kentucky. You know, if you are a top tier. You know, lottery pick NBA, future lottery pick NBA player, where are you going to go play ball? Duke. I, Duke or Duke. <laughs> right? obvi- well, yes. Duke. <laughs> now. Duke yeah. or, you know, a couple of years ago, Kentucky. Right. Yeah. You, you'd go Duke or Kentucky, and, and that's the case here. You want to be a top, you're going to be a top tier NFL player, you want to go Alabama. But you got to break that stranglehold on that and kind of show them, hey, listen, Alabama ain't the only school out there. No, and I'm, I think I think that's a good point to bring up, too, because Alabama has had set that bar so high that, yeah, they were getting all the top-tier t- talent. Yeah. And now with the job that Dabo's doing, you're seeing that parity start forming, and I think that's just only starting to break down the, the wall that has been built up by Alabama. I don't even think it's parity, though. I literally think that this year boils down to that those two teams or – Georgia being a wild card is yeah. really what it boils down yeah. to. That game against I again I can't that that game against Notre Dame at Georgia is going to be a very big game for not only just Notre Dame but for Georgia too because if they can come away with a convincing win, I definitely think that when they meet Alabama in the championship game that they could definitely beat them because they almost did it last yeah. year up until Jalen Hurt came in for Tua who was just was uncharacteristically sloppy. Yeah. yeah. And and Jake Fromm was playing out of his mind up until the fourth quarter where he had that bad turnover and Alabama was able to capitalize on it. So, you know, does but Clemson though does not have that to worry about that with the ACC because they will run through that ACC uh-huh. with full steam yeah. and not have anything to worry about up until they have their first playoff game. It's a very valid argument, and that's the thing about should they start implementing. Uh, flex scheduling. See, I think that that's something that I know they're not going to do right right away, but you almost have to wonder at these stages to get the true test of where your team is really ranking. I don't know how they would implement it, but it's an idea, though. To me, I think that what they should do is just like basketball and just have to implement some sort of like contract agreement where you know the ACC plays the Big Ten and then the Pac-12 will play the you know, SEC and have some sort of agreement where it's that where based on where they finish the year before. And the problem is that these schedules are, I mean, they're locked up. Yeah. For right. God's sakes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Notre Dame's 2024 20, schedule is already set. So that's another problem that scheduling is so far out, but that's whatever. But almost like if they could almost have an agreement where the, you know, the SEC will play the PAC 12, but what they'll do is they'll play by where, who finishes. So like if Oregon wins the big, you know, the, the PAC 12, then they would play whoever wins the SEC conference championship game. So it would have been Oregon versus uh, Alabama in a game and whether it's a neutral site game or a home and home situation, you know, whatever. But that way, you know, there's some sort of parody and some sort of early season, yeah. you know, lore, because yeah. when let's face it, when Alabama plays Duke, that, that doesn't matter. And, you know, like we talked about on the show, I think what a year or two ago when Nick Saban called out the fan base for not going, do you blame them when you are playing trash? Right? No, like people aren't going to come. Students aren't going to go to watch you play Citadel and blow them out sixty-four to fourteen. They're not going to come. So at the end of the day, you want to bring people in. You got to you got to play games. And basketball does that. The basketball has you know Duke played 
my God, they played Michigan, Michigan, Michigan State. They played. Uh, God, I come on, you gotta help me out here, Ken. Duke fan. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I mean Duke, they, Duke they had a killer everybody. role. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, they had Oregon early in the year. I mean, they were playing teams in the early of the year that once they got to the conference champ, you know, the conference stuff, you were like, my God, look at the schedule that Duke had. Well, when they always start that tournament out in Hawaii, that's another thing. Sure, too. I mean, the, yeah, God, they played Gonzaga in yeah. week four of the basketball season. So it's like, why can't the uh, college football have some sort of scheduling metric where they meet those kind of standards? Right. Well. And two things. Uh, in case you're curious, Alabama, of course, as we mentioned, is playing Duke this weekend. Uh, they are currently listed. Alabama is currently listed as a 34 and a half point favorite. Uh, I'm going to bet that grows before <laughs> the game starts. But then you brought up the Clemson Tiger schedule, and, and for those who aren't Clemson Tiger fans, here's their schedule. Uh, they open up against Georgia Tech. They play week two is Tech against Texas A&M. That's a good. That's a that's good a really out good of conference game. game. Uh, week three they play Syracuse. Oh well, that's conference. So and, okay. And then uh, after that they play Charlotte. North Carolina, okay, Charlotte, Florida State, Louisville, Boston College, Wofford, NC State, Wake Forest, and they close out against South Carolina. Okay, so there's some cupcakes there. Let's face it. I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat that either. No, I, no. I didn't say that Clemson had the highest strength schedule. I'm just saying like that Texas A&M game is a good that's a good out test. of conference game. Yeah. which actually is the SEC versus the ACC. So maybe they do have an agreement. I don't know. There, there is some, but <laughs> maybe, but yeah. as we're seeing, though, since we've started doing the podcast, the schedule has improved. Is it where it should be? No, by no means. No. But there's been some improvements that you're not having those cupcake games and the teams that are going to be more equally matched to really see what you have on the field. I mean, I mean, I mean Chris, even a decade ago, it was the case for a lot of top-tier teams, LSU, Alabama, you know, pick your teams, where – you could buy if you're a fan of that team. By and large, you could ignore the first month of the season. Absolutely, because, because mm-hmm. they're going to play D two teams, and I know the names change, but this is just what's familiar for me. They would have played, you know, a couple D two teams, or you know, a, a one one double A double A team, whatever yeah. it is. You know, the next level down for like a month before. Oh, hey, let's actually play. Start playing some D one teams. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not you know, nor name straight. The schedule is nothing to boast about either. With them not having you know only the affiliation with the ACC versus being in a conference, but I mean, at the same time, they do have Georgia on the road. They have scheduled games with Wisconsin. They do play Michigan. They do play Michigan State. You know, in Boston College, obviously, at the time that they had the contract, were a little bit better. You know, they've fallen off since you know then, but they still have out of conference. They still out of conference. They still have games on their schedule that you look at and you say, "Wow, that's a really good test early." Right. And you know, it's it's just telling when the fact that you have these teams that are playing these cupcakes that it's like. All right, that's a great you know game. You won sixty four to three, and I know that you know the Citadel got paid you know like a hundred thousand yeah. plus dollars to come get their heads kicked in by Alabama. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not good for college football. No, it's not, and it's something that they definitely need to fix, and that's the problem that with the schedule and how the teams are shaping up. Scheduling is going to be an issue. Yeah, it's it's just when you schedule things out. I mean, like I said, they have a home and home with Wisconsin yeah. that doesn't take place till twenty twenty six. I can't even fathom the fact that it's going to be twenty twenty. Yeah, and we're talking about the fact that right. twenty twenty six. You have a home and home scheduled with a team. I mean, it's like when you play a video game, Madden. NBA 2K, whatever. You want to get better, what do you do? You up the difficulty. You go the next difficulty up, whatever right. that is. 
you know, in the same can be said for college football. You want to get better. You really want to give yourself a test. You play a, a good team like an Oregon, like a Wisconsin, like an Ohio State. You, you know what you do in, in video games if you want to feel better about yourself or you had a real crappy day at work. You put the you put it on the easiest setting. You you put it on rookie and you just light them up for 124 points and then the game tells you uh, you're scoring too much. And I think that's what's cool though about college football is that every week matters because if you're not undefeated going, but but that also is the caveat though that if you're not undefeated. Going into bowl season, you're not going to even have a chance to make it into the playoffs. Right. And that's, you know, that's why on the flip side of things, though, teams schedule the way that they do because they ultimately know that, hey, if we go 10 and 0 and we win our conference, we have a very good chance at making a run or at least making to the playoffs or playing in one of the top six bowls mm-hmm. versus, oh, we went 10 and 2, but hey, we played, you know, two top five teams and we lost. Right. Well, great. Now you're playing in the Liberty Bowl and, you know, the team that won your conference because they played the Citadel or Hawaii or yeah. whoever now went undefeated and now they're playing in the playoffs. Right. It's a very interesting factor of how they do that. I mean, that's all they can say. And, and Yeah. And, but we've gotten to a point where we never thought we were going to see playoffs. Now we do. Scheduling yeah. is going to be the same thing to do. Right. I mean, yeah, that's. I think that's going to be the thing that's next. But the problem is, again, that... It's just when it's left up to the universities as much as it is and when there is so much money riding on you know certain matchups and, and agreements and contracts or whatever, I mean, the only reason why Notre Dame scheduled Wisconsin is because of Under Armour. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's all these other influences that kind of, you know, gauge and change the way that these teams schedule that ultimately, you know, until they figure out a way to – get a strain on that or, or put teams in conferences that align and make sense for them to play in these games, then it's always going to kind of be this way. Right. Well, let me ask you this to close the segment out. Okay. Who are you taking this year? Uh, you got a quarter? I mean, you. you it's obvious I'm going to pick Notre Dame. I know I'm wrong, but I'm not. No, I mean, I, I, I being realist, it's probably going to be Clemson again. Yeah. I'm going to go Alabama just because I get, I get the feeling Saban's going to have a chip on his shoulder. Not that he needs it, but he's going to have one. I just think it's it's funny, though, because I listened to this Irish podcast, and they were talking about, like, you know, for Irish fans, when is it going to be, like, enough to stop celebrating, you know, Notre Dame making it to, you know, just the playoffs and losing and celebrating the fact that they're there? And it's like, for me, it will be forever. Because, I mean, I being a non-conference team, I, I never thought Notre Dame was going to ever make it to the playoffs. I got to change my pick because uh, I just remembered historically, if Alabama wins the national championship, the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl. So I'm going to go with Clemson or anybody else. Well, it won't be Alabama because they just lost their starting linebacker today anyway. So That's true. I, Clemson's by far. Trevor Lawrence is a absolute just – he literally can win a game by himself. Right. You could put him – with you, me, Pad, Jr., and a bunch of other people from the ODH panels, and yeah. they could still win the game with Trevor Lawrence. He is that impressive of a quarterback. I can't wait for him to get in the NFL. I wish he could come out now. Yeah, he's still got what? My guy, one more year. Yeah, one more year. And then one more year. Then arguably, I mean, think about what he did as a freaking freshman yeah. at quarterback. Yeah, not just the fact he he wasn't a wide receiver. He wasn't a running back who just said you know go run north. He was a freaking quarterback. And not, not two of might have came in the national championship game and won it. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence led a team, not only took over from a, a junior, but then led that team to the national championship and spanked Nick Saban in Alabama. That's true. I mean, 
tip of the cap, young man. That's true. I mean, there's a lot of games going on this weekend, but one jumping out to me, uh, 7.30 on Saturday on ABC, number 11 Oregon versus number 16 Auburn. There's only one game that matters this weekend, and it's Monday. I will say that, I will say that game's technically not even on the weekend. It's, it's on not Monday. even on the weekend. It's on Monday. Yeah, there's going to be so many good games going on, and obviously every game matters. And yeah. so this one will be interesting to watch on Saturday. I mean, and Monday I, as well. Yeah, like I said, I love the Saturday night. I I honestly think that ABC, when you talk about like scheduling games, oh, they do they a great do job. such a good yeah. job. Like you talk about the NFL, you know, and what ESPN gets for Monday night games, they get dogged. Oh, and yeah. NBC typically gets some pretty good games. Right. ABC, well, the whole flex scheduling. Yeah, well, yeah. not even just that, but just in general. Like, how, I mean, how many times have they honestly put the flex in? I think they only did it once last year. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and they had really good games scheduled. Saturday night games are always on point. I'll say, I'll, always. I'll never forget the one year, uh, I think it was Kirk Cousins was still in college playing for Michigan State, and I think they were playing like Wisconsin or something like that. And it was like, the like I have no rooting interest in either team. Yeah. And I was just flipping channels. I'm like, oh, hey, game's on. It's almost over. And I got to watch Kirk Cousins like at the end of the game throw like a 40, 50-yard Hail Mary pass at the end of the game and score the game-winning touchdown. Now, it helps that they are allowed to flip the schedule yeah. you know, so much, but these games are still you know, time-framed on Saturday, and it all works out. It always oh, yeah. works out because Saturday night games are always top-tier top, top tier games. Yeah, they are. They're always great games, and it just goes back to the whole atmosphere of college football. It's just it, there's a different vibe to it, a more getting back to the essence of the game more so than a business. And I understand college football is a business. You can't say yeah. it isn't. It's yeah, and it's yeah. It's the passion. It's the pride. It's I. I like the offenses mm-hmm. more. Yeah. You know, I like the I like the fact the spread works in college versus the NFL. It's just it feels like the game's not necessarily advanced, but it feels like it's on another level when it's in college versus the NFL, where it's still like. You know, the eye formation and, and all that stuff. I mean, you got the pistols. You got teams running, you know, two pit. You got teams running shotgun. You got teams running, you know, wildcats. Like, you never know what offense you're going to see in college. And that I think that's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and it's going to be something to definitely watch this season. And if I have to make a pick, too, to close the segment out, Oh, I don't want to say Alabama, but don't uh, so that way don't. don't so that way the Patriots can win the Super Bowl. No, then that's why I have to say it. <laughs> I, have to, I have to stop and, Belichick. And if, and if po- folks don't believe me on that, look it up. Historically, Alabama wins the national championship if the Patriots are in the Super Bowl. They don't win. Hey, so, it's not like uh, the the Yankees and the Wildcats had that streak for a while until Arizona won it one year and the Yankees didn't win it. So it's true. Who knows? Anything is possible. I will say it's that team because I don't want to say it is because I'm holding out hope for my Gators, but we'll have to see. I, it's a long shot. I, I'm a realist about <laughs> yeah, this. You so you're saying there's a chance. There's always a chance on every given Saturday. Sure. Or Mondays, too, depending on when they're playing. But definitely college football is back in the swing of things. We definitely want to hear your picks, who you t- think is going to take home the national championship. Definitely hit us up on our social media accounts. Hit us up with that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Join in that conversation. We want to talk to you. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The ODPH is proud sponsors of Robocon 2019, happening September 28th and 29th. Don't miss out on Binghamton, New York's biggest sci-fi, fantasy, and gaming convention of the year. For badge details and more info, check out Robocon.org. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH pad. You got us on that local minute. Uh, of course, uh, they're closing out. The Binghamton Rumble Ponies are closing out a series against the Portland Sea Dogs. Uh, as we record, they got one final game against the Portland Sea Dogs tomorrow night. It is Game of Thrones night. Uh, House mm-hmm. Rumble Ponies, if you are a Game of Thrones fan, 
Uh, be sure to go down and check that out. But then they have their final series of the season uh, to close out the 2019 season against the Hartford Yard Goats. Uh, more information, bingrp.com. And we also have to give a special shout-out to Johnny Moose and Sean Carr from Excite Wrestling. Mm-hmm. They are actually going to be guest bartending at the Ooh. game on Thursday. That'll be interesting. Uh, according to what Sean has posted on Facebook. So if you're definitely interested in going down and check that out, it's, it'll be a heck of a time because yeah. that's going to lead into the big Excite show this Sunday uh-huh. at Rumble Pony Stadium. More information like Pat addressed, bingrp.com or excitewrestling.com. So we got a couple quick one-shots, borrowing a little from the Entertainment Edition. Uh, sports stories are going on, and we have to say congratulations to the Louisiana Little League team. Yep, Louisiana Little League team. They captured the Little League World Series uh, last week. First ever team in Lu- this Louisiana state history to win the Little League World Series. So congratulations to those guys. You know, it was real. F- it, the, uh, my favorite part was the end in the celebration where they were just throwing all the Gatorade. Yeah, not just some of it, all of it. It's always a fun thing to watch with the yeah. Little League World Series. I mean, we are lucky. We had the World Series champions here a couple years ago, 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Yes, main end well. So it's always a fun time when you see just everybody just playing for the love of the game. Mm-hmm. And you're not even thinking about contracts or base your no. you know, ticket sales, anything like that. There's kids out there having fun. And I that's, mean the only thing they're thinking about is getting a cardboard sled and sliding down that hill. Absolutely. That's about it. Absolutely. And to talk about a little UFC action going on this weekend. Mm-hmm. They got a UFC fight night card taking place uh in Shen Shenzhen, China. So it's gonna be real early. Uh the not a lot of whole big fights on this card, but the one of note uh, you want to check out is for the Women's Strawweight Championship. You have champion Jessica Andrade uh, facing Weilei Zhang, uh, like I said, for the Women's Strawweight Championship taking place on ESPN+. And like I mentioned, taking place in China, so be sure to check at what time this is starting if you want to get up and see that. Maybe have a little UFC for breakfast. Yeah, depending on where you're watching in the world, um, definitely check that out. Get the local listings. It should be a great fight card, too. Um, and I like Andrade in that one, too be honest yeah so we'll have to see what happens there because i mean the following week we Mm -hmm. go to the big lightweight championship Mm -hmm. match which we will talk about on next week's episode but we have to do something we're going to try a little different here i know we usually round those bases but coach what are we doing this week we're running the ropes we're running the ropes we're introducing a new pro wrestling segment here on the show so obviously there's a big weekend going on and actually I have to give myself a little self plug. I'm going to be on the Three Fat Nerds on Wrestling podcast Ooh, hey. co- coming out on the 8122 Productions network. That'll be out Thursday night so we got a lot to discuss there but we just have to kind of break it down a little bit on the ODPH here of something was going on because there's been a little news that we touch upon and everybody's been giving us a lot of feedback on the wrestling segment so might as well dig into it. Sure. So what is going on this weekend? We got Excite Wrestling, of course, as we mentioned, taking place on Sunday. But then you've got the big one going on Saturday, uh, AEW All Out Pay Per View. Coach, your thoughts? I mean, obviously, the card kind of took a hit with uh, Moxley, unfortunately, unable to go. Yeah, uh, due to the Mercer. elbow, Mercer. Yep. So, which is nothing to mess around with. So, yeah, no, best, absolutely best wishes not. to him. I mean, smart on him to not try and go in the ring. Uh, obviously, you know, Pac filled in, formerly known as Neville, mm-hmm. in yep. the. WWE. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, let's be real here. Like, yes, we all want to see Moxley versus Kenny Omega, and that's going to happen at some point down the road when Moxley gets healed up. Right. But it's like losing a twenty and finding another ten bucks to go along, finding that twenty and another ten bucks to go along with it in Pac because Pac versus Omega is also a very good match. That should be the main event, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, and obviously, it's going to be a great match. I just. You know, from continuity and storyline, unfortunately, I mean, I, I, I'm a guy who likes to follow the storyline, so it kind of took a hit for me 
with you know losing Mox and having Pac fill in because there's no beef there. I mean, a lot of these matches now are kind of payoffs from previous cards. Now, I mean, you got Rhodes versus um, Sean Spears, Sean, Sean Spears. Spears, and then you got you know the payoff match with the uh, Lucha uh, with uh, Phoenix and Pentagon versus the Young Bucks. So. Yep. You know, there and obviously the AEW title match of Jericho versus Adam Hangman Page. Page. Adam Page. So I mean, there's a lot of payoffs happening, and now unfortunately, this is just one of those. You know, this is just a match now. I'll say uh, the full card, uh, top, top, bot from bottom to top. As I'm reading it, uh, you've got Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt versus SoCal Uncensored in a six-man tag team match. That would be fun. That would be a fun match. You got Private Party in Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn versus Angelico and Jack Evans in a tag team match. You've got Riho versus Haraku Shida in a singles match. You've got the 21-woman Casino Battle Royale, where the winner will receive a match for the inaugural AEW Women's World Championship, uh, scheduled for the October 2nd uh, broadcast on TNT. Uh, you've got Darbin Allen versus Joey Janela versus Jimmy Havoc in the Cracker Barrel Clash. That will be wild. And, yeah. l- and let me just say, if you know anything about being the lead in the box and Kenny Omega and all that, is anybody really surprised at Cracker Barrel? is sponsoring that i no no i just i think it's funny though because everybody just like loved the fact that cracker barrel is doing it but yeah if this was you know vince and wwe doing this oh that's so corny that they got a sponsor for a match and everybody yeah. would be it's it's crapping so, on it it's so organic because if you watch being the elite and you know how much they plug cracker barrel right mm-hmm. but i mean at yeah. the same time though we talk you know we talk about them needing to get to a broader audience so and, you know, again, it's just pointing to an inside joke that unless you watch being the elite, you won't get, you know, right. which yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. Hey, I like Cracker Barrel. Yeah. I mean, we just had dinner there two weeks ago. Yeah. I had a lovely time. Sponsor us, Cracker Barrel. We'll plug you, too. I mean, Absolutely. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's a lovely establishment and yeah. they have great food. But just for the sake of, like, you know, everybody versus WWE, it's like if this was on the flip side, yeah. we all know they'd be getting flack for it. Yeah. Well, it just depends on if you really want to jump into that toxic yeah yeah well like that AEW versus but it's, WWE. it's like, very real oh it's, it's, it's very, a very real toxic cesspool it, right it's very real unfortunately like w- this has been addressed upon in 3f and w many times and i i agree with riches and everybody's stance over there about this too you should just be enjoying it's wrestling yeah and then you shouldn't have to be like hey yeah I'm, yeah i'm, I'm all for it yeah because i mean this it's it's how the Bucks and everybody has done this on Being the Lead and how they're selling the storylines via their YouTube channels, plural, yeah. which, I mean, that's the only frustrating thing that you have to yeah. watch all of them to yeah. really get yeah. the story. Yeah, It's really interesting to see how they're trying to approach this, and some of it's sticking, some of it's not. The whole thing with Cracker Barrel, I think, is a very interesting ploy that they do. And it's it, definitely it, it, a very 2019 move. It's, yeah, it's, you know? it's one of those things that, like, if you're watching the show, you go, oh, okay, it's a sponsorship. But, like, if you're, if you're, if you're folks like us who watch the shows and you know the kind of, like, the inside joke with it, you, you get a chuckle out of it. Sure. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, it works for that, and that match is going to be absolutely bananas between mm-hmm. Janelle and Darvin. Yep. After that, you've got right. to mention the match like we mentioned is uh, Cody Rhodes versus Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard in a singles match. Uh, then we've got the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks uh, for the AAA World Tag Team Championship. Then you've got Best Friends in Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta versus the Dark Order in Evil Uno and Stu Grayson uh, in a tag team match where the winners will receive a first round buy in the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament. Uh, then you've got Pac versus Kenny Omega in a singles match, and then Adam Page versus Chris Jericho in a singles match for the inaugural AEW World Championship. 
So what's one match that sticks out, and what should everybody be looking mm, forward to? I'm going to say Pac versus Omega is one you should definitely look out for, because I know a lot of people are talking about uh, Omega versus Moxley, and deservedly so. Pac versus Omega is still going to be insane, and I know I realize there's no build-up to it, and, and there's no kind of like built-in story to it, but I mean, Pac hates everybody. <laughs> like, like they're like he likes one person, him and, and his family, and and but everybody else he hates you. Like, there's your build up. It works. Yeah, I mean, I uh, that obviously stands out to me probably from the fact that you know it is going to be two talented guys finally getting to go in the ring. Uh, for me, I'm actually the payoff for the Cody Rhodes Sean Spears match. I think is going to be great. You know yeah. that MJF is probably going to find his way into the he'll, fold he'll of that up. match. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, for me, I think the Jericho Hangman Page match is probably the biggest match on the card. Yeah. Not from the standpoint of in ring ability, but just because this is going to really, this is the first, you know, hang, you know, flag that they're going to hang. And what direction do they really go in? Because here you have Chris Jericho, a longtime established veteran, veteran, a you know pure classic WWE guy. Yeah. And then you have you know this young up and coming. ROH star, New Japan, you know, wrestling star, and Hangman Page. Right. You know, who do you put the strap on first? Because, you know, if you put it on Jericho, you know, how are the fans going to react to that when you are trying to be different than, you know, the already established WWE? And if you go with Page, is he really ready to carry the flag and the banner going into your first broadcast on TNT, which would be what, like in a month after this show? Ironic that you mentioned that because I was going to touch upon it just a little bit later. It is going to be the same week the WWE they or no NXT is going to be on in September. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, it's going to be when SmackDown comes to Fox. Fox right? Yeah, so yep. that week. Yep, is yeah. rather that it's coming down there. No, they're going to have to do a lot to really set the the tone that they're going to be something different. Or it depends on the identity crisis they're having at AEW, in my opinion. Sure. Because I think, and I've addressed this many times with uh, on 3FNW, they have two camps, in my opinion. You have the Cody camp and you have the Kenny Omega camp. The Cody one is clearly trying to compete with WWE. Sure. Clearly. The Kenny Omega one is really not, and they're not on the same page. So it just depends on... I guess what the consensus is of that day of who they think is going to be representing them moving forward. If I, if I was going to be the one doing the booking and I had to go pick a winner between them, I would take Chris Jericho. Okay. And my my stance on this is Jericho is familiar with a with your audience that you're trying to get to watch your program. He's a recognizable name. Adam Page is a rising name. Yeah. And not to say he's not ready, but if you're debuting to a national audience in October, and you're saying your champion is Chris Jericho, fans will know who that is, even if they're casual. They'll gravitate towards that they'll name. They'll gravitate yeah, right, towards it more right. so. Because you're definitely going to have those folks that, you know, they've heard of AEW, but they've never seen anything, and they might be flipping channels one night, and there might be a movie on TNT one night, and it's right before they're getting ready to go live on their first ever broadcast, and they go, oh, be sure to check out AEW tomorrow night, starting at, you know, whatever time they're going to start, where we're going to have, you know, Cody Rhodes versus, you know, yada, yada, and, and champion Chris Jericho is going to come out and address the audience, and we go, wait, 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 what? Yeah, Jericho. I'm a, I'm a big Jericho guy. Like I, I gotta check this out. Uh, yeah, I mean, and for me, I mean, I know they came out the other day, and the, I think it was the Bucks said that they're not going to do traditional, you know, heels and faces like you know have been done in the past. Yeah. So that's the other thing too. So if you're not going to take that route, you know, and Jericho is this gray lining, you know, whatever he is, you know, do you want 
Paige to be chasing, or do you want you know everybody to be chasing Paige? It's just it's a tough thing because I mean for me, I almost want to branch out more. I don't want right. to put the guy. I don't want to put the belt on the WWE guy because we are trying to differentiate ourselves. It's, so it's I almost guess, too predictable. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's almost too. It's almost too WCW. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I almost feel like leaning towards Paige would be the smart bet. But at the same time, though, my problem with that is. I don't necessarily know if he's ready to carry that weight because that is going to be, I mean, listen, the WWE title puts a lot of pressure on that guy to fulfill and and put butts in the seats. And we've seen it crush guys. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it will necessarily crush Paige because, I mean, ultimately it's wrestling. I mean, it is what it is, kayfabe, whatever. Right. But at the same time, I think that that's going to be a lot of weight on his shoulders to be the guy. It's 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 going to be a lot of weight on his shoulders, and obviously being a champion, no matter what promotion you are in, you know TNA, WWE, NXT, AEW, you know New Japan, whoever it is, being the champion, obviously the main champion has a lot of weight on your shoulders. But I feel like you got to add another fifteen twenty pounds of weight onto that. Being, you know, he would be the first ever AEW champion, and, and you know what they say, not just in wrestling but in life. You know, it's hard to to change a first impression. It definitely yeah. is. So what they're whatever they're going to do is going to be really telling because as far as I know, there's not another show between All Out no. and their first TV show. No, I think no. it goes right from this to I the think it goes TV. Right in. Yeah. And especially with the success. That I think they might actually be doing something on TNT, like an hour special before the live kickoff. They're doing it. They're, I think they're doing something like the week before or something like that, but it's not anything like wrestling. I think it's just like an introduction like, okay, hey, yeah. here's what this is. Yeah, I think they're doing something on TNT, but yeah, it might not be wrestling because i yeah. mean the impression they have to leave with all out is they have to try capturing some of the magic that was all in absolutely which, which is going to be extremely difficult because all in depending on who you ask and i i have to say i side that it was arguably one of the best pay-per-views of the year well yeah. uh, the biggest thing was it was organic yeah that's the thing it was so organic and it was a lot of different promotions so working new together. so different something never seen before yeah yeah so now it's spawned into whatever aew is going to be and i think the problem that they're going to have is they don't have a clear-cut direction they don't have one person steering the ship say what you will about vince either way there is a clear direction of what WWE yeah. is. Well, it's what he wants, yeah. or it's the highway. <laughs> right, and I feel that you don't have that with AEW. And I think that for them, they need to establish that before they get to TV. Well, I mean, raising that point that it is kind of a Cody camp versus Kenny camp, I never really thought of it that way, but now that you mention it, that yeah. you kind of can see that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Cody's the one that's, you know – the you know in the Arn Anderson or the gorilla position you know doing the calls and everything and we've seen that so ultimately I think it is going to be Cody's call but I do think that there is that other camp out there that does want to branch out and be different and that's why they created this right because you think about it you can even split it down down the lines I mean you've got your Cody's you've got your Moxley's you've got your Sean Spears who for various reasons all have an axe to grind against WWE right I mean go back and listen to some of the interviews they've done on podcasts and whatnot well Moxley's has been very telling yeah Yeah, I mean from that's the biggest standpoint right and and you can even throw Pac in there to a certain degree yeah right he's not signed with AEW but you know at least to my knowledge but Still might have an axe to grind there. But then you, on the flip side, you've got guys like, you know, like you said, Kenny Omega, Adam Page, who necessarily don't have that history or that axe to grind with WWE. And they're just, hey, we will just want to put on a good show and be something different. Yeah, that's going to be the ultimate question they need to answer it all out. Like, what are we going to get? Because this is your final chance to really win over fans that are saying, 
all right, are you guys a t-shirt company or are you guys going to be a real competition? Yeah, what and, are you going to do from here? Like who who are AEW or who is AEW? However you want to define it, what is their identity? This show is going to have to establish that. Win, lose, or draw. Because if they come out of this, I feel, and they haven't established what they are, that first TV show is going to be train wreck TV. Well, not only to mention that, but I mean, then they're going to be going into live competition. Yeah, because now with NXT coming off of the network, yeah, which is huge. Which I mean, we can yeah. go into here in a second, but I mean, now that they're coming off the network and going to be on USA, you know, another syndicated broadcast that's nationally televised, you know, they're they that's an established program that's already going to know what to do. I mean, they have a veteran in place in Triple H, and and Vince still there, you know, over the shadows that know how to run TV, right? And, and NXT is already a good program as is, right? And I know a lot of people, myself included for a while had some nervous trepidations when that got announced that NXT was moving to USA's oh lord it's getting moved to TV how much is Vince going to put his hand in it but I think for me at least Triple H kind of soothed those those nerves where he went listen nothing's going to change well you have to say that yeah you have to I uh, mean it, listen you you right yeah you have to you got to because you know the fan bases it's just to me what scares me is it, this is going from and to me personally, this is just the way I feel. It's going from a niche audience on the network for people who are subscribers to now broadcast it to the masses, and that is a change. I don't care who you are, what you think. That is a change because now you're going from an audience of maybe you know how many X subscribers that you have on the network to now nationally broadcasted for everyone who has cable. Yeah, that's the, a huge change. The luster of what NXT is, which has always been very organic and it's been very much geared towards the indie fans. Yeah. That now that's gone because now you're it's kind of funny. It's like when bands go pop. Yeah, I, sure. No, seriously, I thought of it as the same exact way. I thought about it as the same thing as your favorite band. Now going from being that like you know that small little indie group that you listen to to all of a sudden now getting that one song on national radio and then they completely change their sound and look, and then you're like, wait, that's not the same band from the first CD I heard? Yeah, I fear that's going to happen with NXT, because as much as you want to say nothing's going to change, Vince is not putting a program on national television without putting a stamp of approval. Sure, I mean, yeah. You, we, we can all hope, but then again, you can almost take a look, and I I'm, I'm, know I'm comparing apples to oranges, but when the new ECW came on, yeah, yeah. and Dude, look at, yeah. When you're talking about the fact that you're ripping up a script an hour before the freaking show starts. Yeah, like, like three, last night. Three weeks in a row, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, like that, that's telling. Yeah. That's, and I mean, when you, and then when you look at the fact that NXT has been so popular and so good to now the fact that it is going to be on USA. And you know that USA executives are going to lean on Vince more than they're going to lead, you know, lean on Triple H. That's going to put pressure on him to then get involved. Yeah, so it's going to be real telling when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, maybe we get lucky. Maybe he does just say, you know what, you know this audience better than I do and what we're looking to get out of this by putting it on Wednesday night directly against, you know, AEW. Do what you're doing. I think it may all be a combination of that, and then just you look at the history of NXT and ju- not just not just the weekly show, but the takeovers and just how well received they've been. And just go listen. You know this a lot more than I do. I'm gonna just let this off to you. And if yeah. and if this flops, it's on you. Right. Exactly. I mean, they're not gonna be tour based. 
you know, like all it is. So they're still going to be doing the tapings and stuff. So that stuff's not going to change. It's just now it's going to be broadcasted on USA versus the network. And I think you can also look at this as maybe like we've always talked. We always talk about, you know, what's going to happen when Vince retires, you know, because it's going to happen someday sooner rather than later. I mean, let's be honest. He's not inevitable like Thanos. No, he's not. This might also be a kind of litmus test to see how well Triple H can run a program on a weekly basis for a national audience because yes he's done well and yes NXT has done very well but it's been kind of like you said it's kind of been encapsulated in this bubble that is the network well now that bubble's gone yeah my- and, and now he's on national th- so this might be a litmus test for all right Vince might be thinking all right down the road I might have I might have Hunter run the business let you know let's see how he does the right now the thing that they have going for them is their Wednesday night so they're yeah. going against nothing yeah competition wise as far as sports until basketball season starts yeah and then they have you know, the Wednesday night games on uh, ESPN and then college basketball, too. So they've got nothing to worry about from that standpoint. Right. But I think my biggest thing is once ratings start to dip and maybe like, you know, let's just say, and I know ratings don't mean as much as they used to, but let's just say that AW cracks like a 3.0, which is like the number. That's the number that people want to see. You know, if they crack or a 2.0 right now is like the number they want to crack. Right. If AEW gets that and Raw, SmackDown, and NXT are like collective at 1.7, 1.6. That's when I think heads are going to roll. Yeah. They're going to have the new car smell, so to speak. Right. AEW for, for a couple. I want to see where they're at six months. That's, sure. That's my, sure. That's my base point. And as for NXT, there's one thing the fans need to do. Everybody needs to start watching the XFL and make it the biggest success that it can be. <laughs> so Vince is too distracted and Triple H has run the ship. Yeah, I mean, that's another, like, I know that's a crazy tangent to go on, but, like, that's going to be wild once that season kicks off. What what the dynamic is going to look like with WWE at that point. Like, where's that going to go? That's yeah. the most crazy thing. I mean, he's going to be running a, a complete football league. Yeah. Right. I mean, but Ken brings up a point with the ratings in NXT. You really can't look at the first week because they're going to promote – they're going to promote. They're already promoting. They're, they're, oh, shiny God. Toy. They're, NXT, they're, they're promoting the you-know-what out of this. That card is going to be absolutely stacked. That's going yeah. to be like your Velveteen Dream versus Riddle. It's going to be a takeover card. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. a takeover card. Exactly. I mean, yeah. the show's two hours long, so yeah, it's going to be a takeover card. Well, it's like Ken said. The first week is going to be, the ratings are going to be huge, but that's because that's everybody tuning in for the first time and, and trying to say, all right, they've been promoting the hack out of this. Let me see what it is. got to wait a couple weeks where you got your folks who may be, all right, this isn't for me or I'm done watching this. Yeah, so it's going to be something really to watch moving forward. The Wednesday nights are going to become must-watch TV. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what brand you want to watch. It's just so much wrestling. Yeah, there's <laughs> so much wrestling. It's a, so much. It's a great time to be a fan, and especially with what's, what is going on this weekend, too. Because we're not even going to dip into New Japan has a big card going on. NXT UK has a big card going on. Yep. We are going to be plugging Excite because Excite in the 607 is going to have a huge card on Sunday. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Which we'll all be in attendance for here at the panel, so... Definitely, you can make it down in the 607. Go to bingrp.com or excitewrestling.com and get your tickets. And all out, we're going to have to see what is really the future for AEW. Is it going to be a home run or is it going to fail? We have to watch to see how that question answers. I'm just hoping there's not going to be any buffering issues like there was for uh, the last pay per view. Oh God, I hope they don't. And I hope they don't get they run long and get cut off. Yeah. (laughs) So a lot of questions are going to have to get answered. If you want to hear more wrestling talk, like I said, I'm going to be on the 3FNW show this week, so definitely tune in and check that out. And we'll definitely have to do a recap next week of All Out. Sure. Sure. I'm, Why not? I'm feeling we're going to definitely need to do that. Why not run the ropes again? Ah. Let us know what you think of the segment. We definitely want to hear from you about that. 
The music you heard on this week's episode is out of Fair City Fire. They're out of Austin, Texas. They're good friends of ours. If you are interested in more of their music, you can go to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Check out the music section. It has all the bands that you hear on the episodes that you listen to on the ODPH network. So definitely go check them out. Take some downloads. Check out some merch, whatever they got going on. Check out the website in general because we have a lot going on there, and we are adding stuff more and more. So definitely keep your eyes out for that because that's all we got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Daniel Jones. Enough said. He is inevitable. He is my savior. For Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. 